This is Dario Caldwell, and this is Conquering Your Limits. And I have a, a super dope, amazing guest um, who's a great salesman, great storyteller, and just like a real awesome, real dude, Tony R. Sanders. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate you coming on, man. <laughs> um, man. Yeah, no problem. So if you can, just can you tell the people who you are, um, what your background, and uh, how you are making an impact today? Sure. So uh, Tony R. Sanders, I'm actually a junior. A lot of people don't know that, but oh. um, yeah. yeah, my uh, my dad and I share the same name. And uh, born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, started working in sales pretty much when I was 13. I've either worked in sales or owned a business my entire adult life. And so when it comes to career, um, that's pretty much all I know. So now what I attempt to do is uh, continue to grow, continue to develop myself, but also kind of share that journey with other people. Um, I've learned a lot from just observing and watching people. And so I'm hoping that as I'm learning, I can carry some other people with me and so we can all kind of learn and grow together. And so that's, uh, that's my aim on a daily basis now. How can I share, uh, how can I develop myself? And then is there a way to share that with someone else so that they uh, may have, you know, some information or even if it's just um, having somebody to relate to, you know what I mean? Somebody that you know that's in your same position uh, or that's gone through what you, you are going through, um, that could be a helping hand or just a, a relatable story. Sometimes uh, that actually helps. So could you, uh, so just hitting on stories, can you just kind of share how storytelling and sales kind of go hand in hand for you and how it actually help um, influence your path to where you are today? Yeah, so um, storytelling is sales to me. Um, if you can understand story and you have the ability to story tell, then you can tell anything to anyone at any time. Um, and to kind of go a little bit deeper in that, whenever you go into a sales interaction with someone, they all have some type of idea of what your product is and what it could potentially do for them, even if it's not right, right? Even if it's wrong, even if they have misconceptions about your idea, you know, whether it's uh, you're selling timeshares, you're selling phones or cars or insurance or whatever. Everybody has this story that they tell themselves mm-hmm. about your product or service. And when they become interested in buying, they also have a story on how they can benefit from it. As a salesperson, you have to start extracting from that story what's valuable to them, right? So the story of a single mom with three children buying a car, the story she's telling herself about buying a car is that I need something that's going to be safe, it's going to be roomy for our family, and it's going to help me get from work to soccer practice to daycare. That's the story. So as a salesperson, she's not going to come in and say exactly that. She's going to say, oh, I'm just looking around, right? And so one, understanding that there's a story there and then understanding how to extract that information from a customer is extremely important. So you always have the plot. You always have the main character. You always have uh, additional characters that may play a role, right? So um, if you're unaware that a part of her purchasing process is she needs to have her father look at the car because that's how she's purchased every car in her life, 
that's an important thing. That's a big character in the story. So you got to know that too. And so uh, if you can understand story and be able to tell a story, um, even just kind of regurgitating the story back to them while adding in your value, then you can become a great salesperson. Mm. So, okay. So what would you say is one of the uh, key things that you, that kind of help your storytelling? Because it seems like even um, when you say you're talking, you know, talking to people, you're observe- so it seems like you're observing, like, so how, how big of a key um, factor is listening um, and responding like properly to yeah. like, in sales? Listening is the number one key in sales. I feel like if you're going to, you're going to start selling today and you wanted to work on one skill, that skill will be listening. And the reason why I say that is if you listen, the person that you're selling to, they're going to give you all the information you need to know to close the sale. They're going to tell you why they want it. They're going to tell you how urgent it is. They're going to tell you how big the need is. They're going to tell you how long they've been wanting it, who else wants it for them, what it means to their life, how it's going to uh, better them or how it's going to uh, put a certain area of their life in order or at ease. All that stuff comes from the prospect, right? There's a thing Mm -hmm. in sales that we call, um, you know, there's a difference between a feature and a benefit. A feature tells you what something can do, but a benefit will tell you what it can do for you. Well, as a salesperson, before the prospect walks in, you only know the, you only know the features. I know that this is an iPhone and it has a front facing camera and a rear facing camera and it has this and it has this and it has that. But then when the customer walks in and you start to learn about their story, now you can figure out what it can do for them. And so it's not just about it being able to make international calls. Now it's about them being able to talk to their family three times a week like they like to and it not charge them anything. That's a huge difference. You know what I mean? That's a big difference yeah, yeah. to say to someone, hey, you can make international calls as opposed to saying, hey, when you call your grandmother, you no longer have to pay for it. I'm willing right. to buy the second one. The first one is just like, oh, okay, that's nice. Everybody has that. <laughs> so uh, um, listening is, is a major key because that's where you get all the information from. That's how you know what to sell and how to sell it. I'm so, man, that, that's so interesting because you seem that just like me watching your progression, like um, from Periscope, um, when you used to do, you know, building up through the coffee segments to good morning, God bless, like, as an adult, you seem to continue to be able to reinvent yourself in sales and, and business. And that obviously that's because of your skill set of storytelling. Like what, what was your childhood? Like, like how, how has storytelling like influenced your childhood and like, and made an impact to where you are able to produce what you do in the way you do it now? It, it impacted tremendously. Like I, I didn't, um, it's one of those things I wish I knew then what I know now. I didn't realize it then. It was just my life, right? Like you you go through life and everything is normal for you until you see that it isn't. Like, oh, not everybody has this. and Not everybody, um, you know, does a certain thing a certain way. And so a big part of my upbringing and really a fabric of my life has always been storytelling from uh, my grandfather who's pastor for over 50 years a lot of part of his communication style. He tells a lot of stories. Um, I can almost recite verbatim how my grandparents met, where they met, what he said. Um, 
because I've heard that story so many times. And that, you know, my grandmother's the same way. My grandmother's a published author. She has several books. Um, you know, she's writing a book now. Actually, her last book was detailing the women of the Bible, and she's working on a new one now. Wow. Uh, she was telling me over Thanksgiving, like, all right, I'm working on another book. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> wow. But uh, <laughs> so it's just always been a part. Like, my, my mom wrote poetry. So it's something that she was really passionate about, and she loved to do. So she would uh, write poetry all the time. And uh, my dad was a, is a singer. You know, he loves to sing. And so he was in singing groups, and you know, they would write songs and different things wow. like that. And so it's always been a part of my upbringing. It was only in retrospect when I started to realize um, that that was, that was something that was a gift, something that I could do and be able to convey stories to people that was uh, interesting and entertaining enough for people to pay attention. Um, and it really came from trying things. Like my, that's one of the greatest things that I think my yeah. parents did for me as a kid. They just let me try stuff. Wow. Like, you know, you ask the kid, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Oh, I wanted to be a firefighter. I wanted to be a policeman. When they asked me, like, I wanted to be a meteorologist, then a paleontologist. Then I thought I was going to be Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> I legit thought I was going to be Sammy Davis Jr. Like, but every time I had something, like I, when I thought that I was going to be a paleontologist or archaeologist and mm-hmm. study dinosaur bones and all these things, my parents like bought me dinosaurs and they bought me dinosaur flashcards so I could study and know the difference between a triceratops and like dinosaur you in that area. Yeah, they just like whatever you wanted to do. And I think, I think it honestly became as an accident. Honestly, like I don't think that they said wow. we're going to raise our kid this way. I think that they were first time parents because I'm the oldest of eight. I think they were first time parents and just didn't know what they were doing. And so mm-hmm. your kid shows interest in something as a good parent. That's what you're supposed to do is support it. So when I wanted to play guitar, they, they bought me a guitar and they, got me guitar lessons and it lasted all of five weeks and I didn't want to play guitar anymore. And then when I wanted to play saxophone, I had a saxophone and they bought me that when I wanted to record music, they bought me a Tascam four track recorder and I could record my own music uh, in my room. And so um, being able to do all of those things and then looking back on it, I noticed one thing that was the constant was me trying to convey stories to people just deployed against different things. Like I'm trying to tell you a story through the way that I'm telling the saxophone. I need there to be uh, a rise and a fall. I need there to be different emotions. It needs to be a, kind of a roller coaster. And I need to be able to uh, convey it in a way where it's a complete thought. I did the same thing when I was making music. I do the same thing when I write my blog posts and when I make mm. uh, little funny videos on Snapchat or when I live stream on Periscope. It's all about me trying to convey a message in a way that's entertaining and also educational. So that is really where it came from. I just, you know, being able to try so many different things and seeing what the constant was and all those things is my ability to tell stories. Now, it seems like, so you, you talked about like everybody uh, uses the form of storytelling, like storytelling to be deployed, be deployed against different things. Like uh, your, your yeah. mom, your father, like your, your grandmother with the books, like, uh, your mom with poetry, your dad with like the singing, like um, how many of you guys in your family um, have deployed it against sales, use storytelling against sales, like, um, and how has that helped influence you um, to to grow being the oldest of out of eight? 
Yeah, it's it's just me. And it's kind of odd, actually, um, the more and more that I think about that. But it, it's just me, it, and it wasn't – I don't know of any salespeople in our family before me, and there aren't any wow. right now. Um, so I don't I don't really know where that part came from. Um, I know that, you know, growing up, my grandparents on both sides were entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom was a hustler. You know, she was selling – Tupperware and selling. Uh, she had her famous uh, baked cookies or her chocolate chip cookies that everybody clamored for. So every time it was time to go on vacation, um, you know, she baked cookies and we would sell them at church and at my dad's job and different things like that. Mm-hmm. But doing all of that, right? There's a, there's an entire process. Even something simple like baking cookies, right? The first thing you have to do is uh, buy the ingredients, right? So we would go to the mm-hmm. store. If you have it down to a science, uh, I'm going to buy X amount of ingredients. Then you would have to basically calculate the cost. So I know that these ingredients are going to cost me X amount of dollars. So I need to make X amount of sales to break even and then X amount of sales to make a profit to hit our goal for our vacation. Then there's actually making the product, right? In the kitchen, oven's on, music playing, it's hot you know, measuring the baking soda and this and this yeah. and that. And then it's actually packaging it up. We have these little white boxes that we would separate with parchment paper and put, you know, six six cookies on one layer, parchment paper, six cookies on another layer. And then it was the actual delivery of uh, mm-hmm. cookies. And then she would always make extra. And so while we sold pre-orders, we would also sell the extras because uh, people always wanted extras that didn't do pre-orders. But out of all of those processes, I guess I could have latched on to either one of them, right? I could have yeah, been yeah. like a manufacturing guy or I could be like a purchaser or whatever. But wow. the part that I loved the most was going to people and asking them, did they want to buy some of my mama's cookies? I don't know. I, I can't even explain that. I don't know why. Uh, even when people said no as a kid, it didn't crush me. It was like, all right, cool. I'll ask someone else. I knew if I asked enough people, Enough people would say yes, and I was extremely motivated by being able to go to Disney World or being able to go, you know, wherever we were going to go with that money. So, uh, yeah, that's no one else in my family is uh, a salesperson. I think my brother really could be, and he sold real estate for a couple of months, but his passion, football. So he's not necessarily passionate about sales. Gotcha. It was just kind of something that to do. Um, and and maybe because his big brother is so passionate about it, he decided to try it. But his passion is football, and so he loves to coach football. But outside so of that, man, I, I have people in my family that won't even try it. <laughs> wow. And they still are entrepreneurs and, and uh, business people. And they, 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 they just don't yeah. into the sales right now. Yeah, even the ones that are entrepreneurs, they would never identify as a salesperson. In fact, they'll ask me for sales help or – some will even ask me to sell their product for them. Like, man, if I could sell like you, I could be doing it. I'm like, you, but you can though. Like, one, I'm here to help you, but two, like you got all the skills and people just don't see it. I hear so many times when people, I'm not a salesperson, I'm not a salesperson. And then I proceed to hear them sell their wife on the best restaurant for us to go to eat after church. Like, mm-hmm. dude, that's sales. Like you don't know the moves. You don't yeah. know that you're doing the moves, but those are sales. That's, that's sales right there. So yeah, yeah I, I think, man, um, so one of the cool things is that you just watching how you do move and have grown from like Good Morning God Bless to 
uh, on Periscope from like mm-hmm. a year, a year and a half ago to coffee and commission your blog. Now you can just tell that you, you get storytelling, like you understand it, the value of it, the yeah. impact of it. Um, but you, you're authentic too. So I think, uh, just for me, like just understanding and the development of storytelling, like you have to, in order for it to be really impactful, I think you have to be sincere and, um, yeah. and be able to understand uh, patterns. So for me, just watching your development, it's always been impactful. Um, it's always been raw, honest, real. Um, like, mm-hmm. And I think that's what, what kind of draws, I think, people in more consistently. And what has drawn me in is um, the integrity of it, but yet the creativity that it embodies, man. Because um, you understand toy storytelling. And like I said before, um, you... Um, are kind of, in a sense, it's innovative. And it's always innovative. You always try to, like, when you're studying people um, and, and I'm just trying to understand yourself and when you're deploying against sales and storytelling in comparison, like, you always wonder, like, what, what is so magnetic about these people? Like, when you look at yeah. a, uh, a Gary, you know, a Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk or you, you look at a Zig Ziglar um, or a Tony R. Sanders, and I think it boils down to, yeah, these people get storytelling, but what makes them so magnetic is, or you guys met so magnetic, is that you're transparent and you're you're yourself. Um, yeah, you're not someone else. You're not a blueprint part two. You know what I mean? Like you're not a copy. Right. Um, and I think the most authentic way to use storytelling is through understanding who you are um, and being honest with yourself and being able to produce like from who you are without having right. you know parts of every like twenty thousand parts of all these other people, you know, in, yeah. in and then that comes and bleeds through your content, um, or bleeds through the arena that you're making an impact on. So um could you speak to like how valuable it is to operate um from authenticity and how it's continued to help you in the areas of uh sales and storytelling? Yeah, first Thanks for the for the kind words. I really appreciate that. What I what I um, intend to do is just tell stories in the most honest way possible, right? And they always say, you know, what what's from the heart reaches the heart. But I, one thing that I've learned too is that when you see somebody like a Gary V or uh, you know Tony Robbins or Lewis Howes or whatever. Um, Yes, they are being authentic, but they found like what works for them. Yeah. So like they're operating in their element. Anytime you kind of have to fake the funk, so to speak, you're not operating in the lane that's true to you. Mm-hmm. And so it's never going to come across charismatic. It's never going to come across genuine. It's never going to come across all the way real because you're not operating in your lane. Now you're operating in someone else's lane. And so Michael Jordan to be the greatest basketball player ever played. But if he didn't pick up a basketball and he's swinging his baseball bat, it's not going to come off the same way. It's just, it's just not right. Like who knows how, (laughs) who knows how good, you know, LeBron could be at football. Maybe not at all. Maybe he wouldn't have made it to the NFL. Like we don't know, but we don't have to find out because he found out what works for him. And so, um, it's just like with me experimenting with like doing a podcast and doing audio and doing uh, the written blog, which I enjoy. Um, I know that those aren't 
necessarily my element. Like my element is video, whether it's live video or it's polished or whatever, I come across the best in video. And so that's something that over time I learned, but the authenticity is a big key. And that's something that I've made a conscious effort to work toward. And I say work towards because it's still a work in progress. So there's still some things that like, if you're really in it and you're really an entrepreneur and you're really going after it every day, regardless of what your situation is, there's going to be some ugly stuff that you just don't want to share. There's going to be failures. There's going to be missteps. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be, you know, a bunch of downs and it's going to like, it's going to be a bunch of craziness that you just don't want to show because, you know, everybody's putting out the Hollywood Hollywood version of themselves, right? Everybody is putting out. Uh, I heard this the other day. Nobody Instagrams their bad day. Like no one says on Instagram, <laughs> "Oh man, I really suck today." Like you don't really see that in the caption too much, right? In the caption is some some picture where somebody's pretending to look off guard. They didn't know somebody was taking a picture. Then they put some dope caption under it and just tells you about <laughs> life and right. you know the clouds and whatever. But nobody really says. Dude, I suck today. I, I really feel, failed today. And so it's a scary thing when you do it because you're pouring out your heart to to no one, basically, to the internet, and you don't know how people are going to reach out. Like, you're reaching out to them. You don't know how to, yeah. if they're going to reach back at all or how they're going to receive it or, you know, whatever. Um, I did this show for a while, Word of Wednesday, where every Wednesday I would talk yeah. about uh, things that were relevant in pop culture and social media and sales and business and stuff like that. But it was a real loose show. It wasn't like a super professional business format. I was having fun and like, you know, using mm-hmm. um, a little bit of my comedy and being comical. And But it was authentic. But people started watching it and it freaked me out. I don't know why, but I mm-hmm. thought that I could just make that show and no one would watch it. And people started watching it and DMing me about it and then I would see people uh on the street or at work or at church or at my grandma's house and like yo I watched an episode of Word of Wednesday <laughs> yeah. and it freaked me out like it, it was like I'm, I'm giving too much of myself to the world mm. then I stepped the show down and it's like man I can't do that like that that show was real it was authentic it was me yeah. people connected yeah. with it but you know you think you you think that uh, you look at some of these people and you think that it's easy to just go on and be truly yourself, like every aspect of yourself, um, especially when you have duality. Like, yes, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I also yeah. like to watch Scarface. And I also like hip hop. And I also <laughs> love coffee. And I all, you know what I mean? All yeah, these things. Yeah. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, it really comes down to just being, not wanting to be judged. And so, mm-hmm. um, I definitely haven't been perfect in any means by sharing uh, authentically 100% all the time, whatever, my truest self, right? Um, It's always honest, but it may not be my truest self, right? It may be, um, maybe I told you seven out of the 10 things that happened in this story instead of eight out of 10 or nine out of 10, but that's the goal every day, right? I'm striving to give you one more, one more uh, piece of honesty, one more pulling back the curtain, you know, until um, you're just 100% comfortable with sharing and communicating in a way, um, in an authentic way. Oh, man, you just, man, there's so many things you just said, it was really powerful. So I just kind of want to go back to 
uh, something you said about just like um, nobody, you know, Instagram is their, their bad days. Like one of the most popular videos that I've seen or most impactful videos, I should say, that you did was like a $200,000 client. Like, because it was just such a, uh, it was such a real thing. Um, you know, and most people would never even put up like, hey, like I lost a $2,000 client. Like, <laughs> so <Right>. um, <laughs> for you to put up like a, hey, I lost a $200,000 client. Like this is, um, that was incredible. And I think that speaks to the honesty yeah. of um, your process and, you doing that will I can guarantee you it impacted me so I know it'll impact somebody else who's gonna watch that video to say like hey yeah. like I can take bigger risk like um and somebody else might look at that like at at a higher level that that lost a two million dollar client and like look like okay right. the people in the world are dealing with this like I can do this I can like navigate through this this is a process of journey and the follow up video you did with that was like actually um, not being as bitter or sour, but like actually taking time to contact, um, you know, the, the one who won the, the bid. So, um, yeah, that, that, I think that speaks to the authenticity of not just the brand, but like of Tony R. Sanders, but you like, um, and how we should function and, and be honest and be real with ourselves and say, Hey, like, yeah, this sucked. Um, like you kind of alluded to in the video, this wasn't like, uh, you know, a, ha- a pursuit of happiness moment, like the music. Um, it was more like a, you know, felt kind of felt more like a Titanic moment. You know what I mean? But, right, it was. <laughs> but but <laughs> it was. Day, you, you not end up jack, you ended up roads on the board, so you got away. But it's just, uh, yeah. So could you kind of like, you know, share how you think how important it is to just be, um, you know, honest about that and. You know what it took for you to actually just share that. Yeah, that. So going back to it's not being easy. That one was not easy. Um, mm. The first couple, I so I think it was three or four, three maybe two or three videos before that one. Um, but those are easy, right? Because yeah. I'm going into the deal, I'm feeling confident. Um, right. And what was what was crazy is. is they called me to participate in the bid. So I'm like, yo, they called me. I'm like that, that uh, Martin episode when he was trying out for it, uh, uh, to be on TV. And he was like, no, Dina, they called me. And that's what I'm thinking <laughs> in my head. Like, this is going to turn out great. I'm going to look amazing yeah. because I'm like Babe Rose, you know, calling my shot right now. So I'm going to go ahead and record this and upload this um, yeah. and go mm-hmm. into it. But then... The whole time in the back of my mind, there's two things going on. It's like, one, slow down. Mm-hmm. This could go terribly wrong. It could go the exact opposite of what you think. And the other thing was, and this is what I used to tell people uh, on Snapchat when I was teaching people how to use Snapchat, is when you're telling a story, always see the story through to the end. A lot yeah. of times when you start a story, especially in a live manner like that, um, where you're just going to say, hey, I'm going to record everything that I do in relation to this business deal on YouTube, or I'm going to snap my day as I walk into this building. You don't know what's on the other side of the door. And mm-hmm. so it's really easy for us to edit our lives. And, you know, maybe we get to the other side of the door and it's the wrong door and we edit it. And then it looks like to the audience, oh, we went into the right door and we're perfect and we never make a mistake. But that's not real. 
Right. People won't necessarily connect to it. They may not be able to look at it and say that's fake, but they won't feel it. They won't feel it as much as if you went and said, oh, man, that was the wrong door. Because people, like, now they have something they can relate to. Like, oh, yeah, I've done that before. Now it's even bringing up memories for them. It's, it's sparking hints yeah. of nostalgia. Like, oh, I remember when I went through the wrong door in my job interview because I was super nervous and yada, yada, yada. So when I thought about sharing that, that was definitely like some uh, parts of that was like, yeah, I want to look like a genius when I pull this $200,000 client out of thin air. <laughs> yeah. And then there was also a part of me just like, yeah, follow the story, man. You got to follow the story. And so when I didn't get it, I immediately like pulled up the camera and started recording because I wanted to get like my raw emotions and feelings and share them with whoever decided to watch it because I felt like that was the honest thing to do. Yeah. And it was like, it was kind of like medicine. Like it was my uh, invite or my initiation back to what entrepreneurship is really about. And it's not about Instagram posts of Ferraris and whatever. And it's not about, uh, you know, sitting on the sandy beach with an umbrella drinking your laptop in your hand. It's about taking losses. Like it's about, losing a deal and figuring out how you lost it and trying to recover. It's about getting punched in the mouth and then getting up and then getting punched in the mouth again. And then eventually you learn how to duck and eventually you learn how to dodge (laughs) and eventually you learn how to slip the jab, but you got to go, you got to take those bruises first. And so um, that's what made me share, but more importantly, that's what made me keep it up. Like that's Mm -hmm. the, that's why it's still up today because when I shared it, I was like kind of emotional. I'm like, yo, whatever, I'm going to share and post it and forget about it. And later, when I kind of calmed down and was more like, you know, logical about it and thinking about it, it was like, yo, do you, do you really just share that? Like, what wow. about, here's the crazy part. What about the people that are paying you right now to uh, do right. sales coaching and consulting? <laughs> what if they see that, right? Awesome. Yeah. Well, what, what if they see that and, um, you know, maybe they don't want to pay you anymore. Maybe they don't want to whatever, whatever. And then a part of me was just like, well, look, it is what it is. Like, that actually happened. No salesperson closes every deal. What is more impactful, what, what has a, even a bigger impact is when they see that and then they see the follow-up video of, hey, uh, I didn't close this sale, but I bounced right back on the next yep. deal and I closed that sale. Then my coaching has more of an impact. Then when I tell them to do it, when I tell them to brush their shoulders off and lift their wounds and get back in the fight, they can't say, ah, you training because you can't do it. No, 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 no. Watch this video and then watch this one. And then watch, like, then they can see mm-hmm. it. I got proof, right? I put numbers on the scoreboard. We ain't got to talk about it no more. And so in the long term, man, authenticity, authenticity always wins. It's always more valuable. Um, and it's, it's so much more rewarding when you can actually have the video to prove it. <laughs> you know what uh, I mean? Like you can, I can actually pull yeah. the video and say, no, no, no. Watch this video. I'm going to tell you about how I was so excited and supremely confident about how I was going to get this $200,000 client. And then I lost it and then I recovered. Right. And so mm-hmm. um, that's kind of that whole story. And I'm going to be posting a follow-up video hopefully in the next couple of weeks, um, just to kind of show everyone how the story ends and how the 
the the saga continues, I guess. <laughs> um, that story is probably never going to end because there's always going to be another deal. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. Uh, but I think that that would be a nice way to uh, end that chapter to show everybody what happened in the next deal. Man, and that that so I was that, that even goes back to where I was going to go to, like the the power of harnessing your vulnerability. Um, yeah. So like that that is critical. I think I think people a lot of people are nervous to get out there, like hey, to be vulnerable. Say so, hey, like okay, I took this L. Like what what are people going to say? Like, but at the end of the yeah. day, it's like you got to harness that thing, man. Like if if somebody says like says that to you, like say something negative to you after you expose yourself in a vulnerable way, you just got to ride the wave into the bounce back until you actually hit the peak again. Um, and I but remember you know like, what's so crazy yeah, about yeah. that? What, what's so crazy about that is we, we will be in the game putting up shots mm-hmm. and then let somebody that's not even on the team man, like criticize us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they... They're on the sideline. They're on the bills. They're done. They're finished. But they can't even play. We're on the team and on the court and putting up shots. And then we let somebody that has no experience, no idea what they're talking about, never played the game before, critique us. And then we want to say, ah, oh, well, you know what? I'm not going. I'm not going to shoot at this time. Ah, oh, man, I'm, I'm gonna shoot. If I'm open, I'm gonna take the shot. If I can get to the lane, get to the free throw line, I'm gonna shoot because. Yeah. I know that, and I'm, and you got to have, you know, just like in sales and business and basketball, you got to have a shooter's mentality. Like if I miss the first five, the sixth one's going in for sure. And if oh, I miss yeah. number six, I'm due for number seven. And if I miss number seven, there's no way number eight's going to miss, right? And you just yeah. keep going, but that has to be your mentality, man. And I've seen it, I've seen it play out, man. I, it was one, uh, one, one summer I was, uh, I got laid off. From, I, I used to work at um, Ford Motor Company gotcha. and I got laid off and um, uh, a member of our family came to me and they were like, hey, what are you going to do now? And I was like, well, you know, right at, towards the end of my, my tenure there, I started a business. This is my first time like really starting a legit business that wasn't my own. It wasn't like my dad's or my grandma's business. It was mine. And I said, so um, I'm going to try that out and just basically see how that works. And she was like, start a business? Boy, you can't start a business. You got a family. You got, you got a child. You, know, you need oh, to make sure that you're providing for your family and taking care of your children. And like, how, how are you going to pay your rent and all of this other stuff, right? Right, right. And um, then she asked me what kind of business it was. And I told her, and she was like, oh, man, my, my uncle had one of those businesses. Dude, he lost so much money. He never really made money. Even when he started to get clients, he was stressed out because yada, yada, yada. And I know now, like, your uncle had that experience because he was a terrible entrepreneur. Like, it wasn't that the business was bad. <laughs> your uncle yeah. sucked. But yeah. when, uh, when that, you know, someone said that, I took all of that in. I absorbed that so much, man. And it kind of, like, beat me down. Like, dang, what am I doing? Maybe I am crazy. And then to make matters worse, because I'm a young entrepreneur, I go after one of these big state bids, just like I did the last time. This one was a quarter million dollars, $250,000. I'm going after it. I'm excited. Um, 
I started to tell some people about it, which I shouldn't have because, you know, I hadn't even gotten the deal yet. I had just submitted it for it. Mm-hmm. They sent a paper back to me and basically said, although you had the lowest bid, which means I would have won, although you've had the lowest bid, due to an error in your paperwork, you've been disqualified. Wow. So just like that, quarter million dollars gone, right? I'm 20, 19 at the time, 20, you know, 20 years old, maybe 21. And uh, I'm crushed. And so I got to go to church <laughs> and see this family member again. And, of course, they're asking, well, what happened to the big bid? I got to tell them I lost it. How'd you lose it? Well, I got the paperwork wrong. The, laugh me out of the sanctuary, bro. Like, laugh at me so oh. hard. Because <laughs> that, was their, that was their proof to them, right? Oh, I told you, you to do it. Wow. Yeah. Look, you don't even know. You don't even know what you're doing. Look, you... you you know, couldn't even get the paperwork right. That's the simplest thing. Anybody could have got the paperwork right. You couldn't even get the paperwork right. So now I'm really crushed. But one thing I learned is to never give up. Yeah. So I continued to go a year later, that next summer rolls around. I get a contract with the uh, Indiana State Fairgrounds here. Six-figure contract. First deal. Super excited. I go to hire people. I need to hire 55 people. Guess who calls me for a job? Wow. Hey, you know, things are a little tight. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to come up a little bit. I heard you got this thing going on. You hiring people. I saw it here and here and there. Why don't you give me a job? See how things come around. So that's why you can never listen to people that aren't in the game when you out there taking shots. Keep working on your shot. Keep working on that pull-up, that step back, that crossover, whatever it is for you. Because you never know how the game can turn around for you. But as long as you're in the game and you're taking shots, you're always getting better. Perfect. You can never let people that are on the sidelines. So that's why I'm like, I'm going to share it and follow and yeah. follow the story all the way through because you never know how it can end. Never know. Man, that's like, yeah, that consistency blows all excuses out the water, man. At the end of the day, like just staying consistent. <clears throat> even though you like might not do well, like somebody might tell you, Hey, like my uncle did this, my aunt did that. I didn't do well in this. Like it doesn't necessarily mean that you won't do well. I think one of the, and that, that speaks to, man, that speaks to, and it's a testament to you because when you started to, in the other video, like the follow up to $200,000, like um, client, you talked about at the end, like, Hey man, I got to see the numbers and compare how they won the bid. Like, and I even talked about like uh like or shows and showcases your your ability and your tenacity continue to continue, man. Like um and displaying that is an incredible um thing because people may have been like, hey, like if they would a lot of people would have been salty if they lost that and just like hey, quit. But it right. takes a certain mentality to be like, hey, hey, like where where can I grow? Like where where yeah. can I sharpen up so next time like I can get this and that way you can add it to the board and figure out how to consistently go. Like it's, it's like, you know, Man, but you, you only learn that in the loss. Yep. You know what I mean? Like yep. you, you only, you yep. only learn that when you lose, like when you win the championship, nobody's watching that film. You did it already. You won. Exactly. It's all good. But when you lose, <laughs> you got to go back and break down the tape and figure out what went wrong. And so, um, I didn't even I didn't even intellectualize it that way with the video that uh, you yeah. saw when I was talking about it. It was almost like muscle memory. It's just second nature at that point. Like, all right, I took this L. 
Uh, I got to figure out what happened, figure out how they ran the numbers, figure out how they were able to come up with this pricing structure, how they can make money at this level, yada, yada. I go through this whole system. That And that part I wish I would have recorded because I thought that, I think that would have been so helpful to a lot of people mm-hmm. if they could see the debrief. Um, yeah, and yeah. I tell you, I did the debrief with uh, a little bit with my wife and I was going to do it with my pops because they kind of helped me um, with that business as well. Um, but I should have, I should have recorded that because to see how, because there were so many light bulb moments in that for me. And it was stuff that I already knew, just forgot. Like, oh, yeah, I know to do that. And I didn't do that this time. Or, oh, I see how they did it. And then, you know, I can come up with my way of doing that and kind of achieving those same results. Or, man, so I that bid packet that I submitted, I have four or five other versions downstairs on my desk of it after rebidding it and basically going through the whole thing again yeah. using the information that I have from how they want it. And so, yeah, that's extremely important. Wow, man, that's that's incredible. Winning, you know, losing teaches you how to win. Like that's absolutely at the end of the day, that's that's super valuable. Oh my goodness! All right, man. Let's see. So okay, so I would just say too, like, what what would you um say to like someone who's like, hey, Tony, like, I I want to start to break into business. Like, I want to start to break into sales. Like, um, what are like some principal uh, things that I would need to know um, to stay consistent and to grow in the area of sales? Um, if they ask me that about business, I would actually tell them the best thing for you to do right now. If you've never ran a business, you don't think you're an entrepreneur, or you want to try and see if you're an entrepreneur, I would start at eBay business. Uh, I used to sell stuff online yeah. as a kid from my, my, my bedroom at my parents' house. And um, my parents thought it was so magical. This is when eBay was super <laughs> new and no oh, one yeah. really knew what it was. Um, and I was doing, I was doing such a good job at it that we consider opening up a, like a brick and mortar eBay store. People can bring in their electronics wow. and, you know, whatever. And then I could flip it online and then maybe take 10% of the profit or 10% revenue or whatever. Um, but I think that business is so important for anybody to start because it, it tests a lot of your business skills, right? So yeah. let's say you start off selling stuff around your house, but eventually you got to go outside your house, right? So you start to go to the Goodwills and garage sales and the Salvation Armies and you know, you start to, uh, one of the best things to do right now, if you're listening to this and you want to do this, go look on Craigslist, Facebook, Marketplace, and offer up and let go and see how people are pricing things. Most people don't understand value, right? So they have something, it means a lot to them, so they overprice it, right? It should be 50 bucks, mm-hmm. they're selling it for 150 because it meant so much. And then... You have the other people who don't understand value. They just want it gone. So maybe it's worth a hundred bucks, but they're selling it for 10. So I've literally bought things off of Craigslist, picked them up, listed them on Facebook marketplace and sold them the same day and made 80, a hundred bucks. Wow. Just because people don't understand value, but doing a business that way will teach you 
um, how to purchase goods at a discount and then sell them for profit. It'll teach you logistics, right? So once you sell something to someone in California and you're in Nashville, you got to figure out a way to get it to them within three days time or whatever you promised them, right? So you have to figure out packaging. You have to figure out logistics. You have to figure out customer service because if you do it long enough, someone's going to have a complaint and you don't want that to mess up your rating on eBay. Mm -hmm. And so you figure out how customer service, you start to figure out, man, I can buy this from China and have it shipped here. And then I can sell it. I can sell Supreme phone cases, you know, online, buying them for a dollar over here and selling them for $10 over there, whatever it is. Right. So you start to learn the, the logistics of it. You start to learn how to sell. Maybe, um, you know, somebody is selling, you got 10 accounts all selling the same thing. What's going to give me the competitive advantage? Well, one, my customer service score is going to give me an advantage. How I write the copy is going to give me an advantage. How I take the pictures. So right now we're, lear- now we're learning uh, merchandising and, uh, you know, a little photography on how to the best ways and the angles to take the pictures. There's so much there, right? And then yeah. in, in today's age, which I couldn't do when I first started doing it, but in today's age, I can piggyback on hashtags that are relevant to what I mm. have to sell. And when the Sunday, I, you know, you, you should always, most people are online shopping. The last time I looked at the, the data on Sunday evenings. So if you have a, a bid on eBay, you want to wow. have it end on Sunday evening. That way it's in the top of the rankings. I'm getting real practical here, but I think this may help some people. It'll be in the top of the rankings when they're looking on their phone or whatever or on Twitter Sunday evening because everybody's chilling, kind of waiting on Monday to happen. So then you tweet out with a popular hashtag that's trending right now, piggybacking off that, and a second hashtag on Twitter that relates directly to your product or the community that your product serves, you'll sell a lot more that way too. Um, So Mm -hmm. if you want to see if you're an entrepreneur and you want to see, you know, if you have some of the basic skills of customer service, sales, logistics, uh, buying things and selling things, you know, what to do when you buy something and it's a dud, you know, <laughs> several times I bought something from Goodwill and I was like, oh, man, this is going to sell. And three months later, I still have it. So what to do then and how to recoup your money. So that's so much there, man. And yeah. you really just got to get out and do it. Um, and it's kind of the same when it comes to sales. Um you really got to fail to be good at it. And I don't want to sound like a broken record, but that's like, that's the best way to learn. It's just like my uncle was teaching me to play chess. He taught me how all the pieces moved, right? This is a pawn. It can move two squares once, then it can move one square at a time. And this is a rook and this is how this moves. This is a knight, bishop, so on and so forth. But he didn't teach me any strategy, but I knew all the moves. I knew the, wow. the how the pieces move. Yeah. So then we played, he beat me in like five moves. I was like, oh, crap. He's like, did you see what I did? I'm like, yeah, I saw it. Okay, cool. Oh, so we did it again, and I blocked it from him beating me the same way, and then he beat me another way. Then he beat me in six moves. Then it was seven moves. Then it was eight moves. The whole time, I'm building up defenses for different looks, though, right? Yeah. So where first he could beat me in five or six moves, now it takes 25 moves to beat me. Now... You know, we're going, we're playing to a draw. Now, every now and then I beat him. That's the same way it is in sales, right? You walk into an office, you get rejected. Okay, yeah. dang, what did I do wrong? Okay, I did that. They said, no, this way I should have came back with this. Okay, boom. I go to the next office. I won't hear no the same way again. I won't lose the same way again. And you just keep going until you have this full, 
you know, bag of sales tricks and strategies and tactics that you can go into given the right situation in front of you. And so that's really the best way to learn, man. There's no replacement for experience being a teacher. You can, you can check my website out. You can watch my YouTube videos. You can go and buy a book and take a course and go to a three-day seminar and yada, 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 yada. Mm-hmm. Never going to be real to you until you're committed. And by being committed, you have to actually be doing it. You have to be in it. You got, you have, got to get out there and stay consistent with it. 100%. Uh, man, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for like doing this, man. I know it's going to help some people. Thank you. People started out there and that, try to embrace that mentality of just like, hey, like, like I'm, I lost this. So like, let me get up and keep going. Like, I mean, I, yeah. It's, it's not just a, a mentality for Olympic or super athletes, like, or for CEO, it's the mentality of those who um, who want to keep going, who have that desire to, to win, like to to get up after a loss. Man. It's not just a mindset reserved for those who are elite in, in sports or you know hierarchy. It's those who, who want to go, who want to get up. Yeah, yeah, man. Hundred percent. Super dope. I feel super. Now even, I can't even say motivated, man. I just feel like pumped up. <laughs> I really got to go to lift weights or do something. Like, I don't even. <laughs> I was like, I'm just so, so fired up, man. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, so how, how can people um, reach out and find you and find your content? So uh, you can find all of my content on my website, TonyRSanders.com. You can always email me if you have a sales question or, you know, want to talk through anything, uh, Tony at TonyRSanders.com. And then I'm on all social media platforms. Um, ones that you have heard of and ones you haven't heard of yet at Tony R. Sanders. Yeah, everybody, check him out. He's super dope, super awesome. Um, and remember to continue to get up after them licks, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> awesome, man.